All right, back in here on the fan. Now it's time to, as we always do, let's get to the fan focus. All right, waiting us off, it's going to be Dustin and Nick, afternoon drive on whether or not there's Mike Tomlin envy for Browns fans. I do think a lot of different kinds of coaches work. I don't know Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin uh, motivate the same way. What I would say is, though, if if you've got a guy like Tomlin, who is a motivator, who is a communicator, and then you're winning because of culture, I think that means you're winning because of the coach. If you then look at Kevin Stefanski and you're saying, all right, it's the culture aspect of our program that is consistently lagging behind, and then the thing that we doubt is does he motivate, I do think there's some fire to that smoke. I also think the fact that Stefanski's been so young, he's only been at one place, right? He was in Minnesota for damn near, what, like 17 years? Mm -hmm. Not 17 years, like 15 years, right? And a guy like Mike Tomlin was a a, a coach who's been around. He was in Tampa under Dungy. Then then under Gruden, right? They won won a, um, a Super Bowl under Gruden. Had like the best defense, like kind of grind his way up to the top here, and then now in Pittsburgh, all those he uh, figures that he he's um, had tutelage under, I think it comes out of him. I, maybe Stefanski needs more. You bring up the Jim Schwartz angle, like maybe he can learn a couple things from Jim Schwartz. Oh, I definitely think he can. I think that's why Jim Schwartz is here. Uh, Jim Schwartz is the perfect hire to me because he's not coming for Stefanski's job in the slightest bit. He also can teach Stefanski a lot of things. And he's going to be a head coach of the defense. There was a lot of times last year where Stefanski, it felt like to me, Stefanski was so dialed in and focused on what the offensive side of the ball was doing that he just kind of let the defense do whatever they needed to do, and Joe Woods wasn't prepared for that. Joe Woods was not good enough at his gig in order to pull that off. And I felt like Stefanski's biggest mistake is that he he overestimated Joe Woods' ability to be the head coach of the defense. And then when it all crumbled, credit to Stefanski for not pointing fingers. I did enough of that for him, but he needed to take blame on that. And I think it's got to be, if he's going to try to run it back that same way, where he's more the head coach of the offense than he is the head coach of the entire team, Jim Schwartz is a perfect head coach of that defense. There's no question about it. All right, we go to Baskin and Phelps. The two, along with Dan Menigan, talked about Father's Day. Cody, what are you doing for your dad? Well, I'm actually seeing him tonight. We might go uh, have, have a few drinks and relax a little bit. And then on Sunday after work, I'm going to be uh, visiting my grandfather for a little bit as well, who has been recovering from a triple bypass. So Ooh, very nice. nice. Well, well, thank you and you'll be talking windows, too. We like that. i got to be honest. I never once thought about going to have a couple of drinks with my dad. No. Nope. My dad wasn't. I mean, neither one of us a big drinker. So my dad wasn't a big drinker. I just never once like thought, oh, I'm going to go have a... I just remember uh, when my... So in other words, you're not going to be doing a Crown Royal commercial with your mom or, you know... No, or my dad. It'd be tough to do. You wouldn't have been with your dad in the day. I I never... My dad drank, but I didn't. I don't, so... Yeah, I just don't ever remember, like, ever feeling comfortable either wanting to... Like, I remember my dad, when my brother graduated from college, um, he went out and bought a case of Lowenbrow at the time because that Lowenbrow had commercials running that were like, "Let it be Lowenbrow." And there was something about good friends or something too. Here's to good friends. Here's to good friends. Night is kind of special. Yeah, and so my dad thought that was like a big deal, and I just remember watching my brother and my dad do that, and I just like I never forgot about that. But I just, I don't know. Thus the Lowenbrow bar in your basement. 
That is true. No, that's the lowbrow bar. Dan, I, uh, what are you doing? Father's in. Let's have this long conversation about how we don't, we never drank with our parents or debate drinking with our kids and then turn to the drunk. Drunk? Thank you. I just never, I never I, I really mean, drank with my dad. You throw yourself under the bus for that, Dan, when you really don't have to because the rest of us do. I was going to say, it just was one of those things of like resident drunk. Yes, yes, you. At what point is it good though? Is it like for your, like for your 21st birthday, you just have your first drink with your dad and you're like, okay. But I like, I never like had this great desire to be like, Hey, Dad, let's go. Let's go hang out at the bar. Like, I, I, that was for my friends. Like, that was just two different worlds. I never really, I never once thought about that. My dad would, you know, go out for drinks with his friends every once in a while, but I never, like, once, like, that would be, like, worlds colliding. Yeah, I mean, I told you the story back, A20, Odyssey Rewind, about my dad. I drank with my mom. I didn't really drink with my dad much. And I I don't know. I, I, I hope that's not the relationship I have with my daughter growing up. When she's of legal age, because my mom, like my mom was cool at a at a younger age with me, and I'm cool with that as well. I don't think my wife would be very cool with that. I just I just know how she is. She's gonna be gonna be very strict on that uh, on my daughter as far as for the drinking and everything. I'm more like, whatever, you'll figure it out. But when she's of legal age. No, I'd like to be able to drink with my daughter for sure. But like, as far as a father-son relationship is concerned, I think isn't that isn't that part of the? I don't know. I think it's one of the joys, right? You coach the baseball team when they're younger. That's part of the joys. And you, you know, drink beer, hang out with the kid, right? I, I'm not saying get sloshed. I'm not saying that. I don't think you have to turn every uh, you know family party into Talladega. I just think you know it's it's an enjoyable time, maybe. Maybe it's a little too throwback Americana, but I just think about it all the time, right? Like, uh, yeah. Both people are old enough. It's kind of fun. And that's kind of cool to have that relationship with your dad. All righty. Ken and Daryl on if the Browns win a Super Bowl and Ken at the parade. Boy, Double A asked us some weird questions. I woke up to some weird-ass questions this morning. Did we not? Double A asked We were weird about these questions. He just asked some weird-ass questions to us, and I said... Because I looked at it, I go, I can't help it. I go, okay. By the way, I never stop sending the questions. Never stop sending them. Never, ever, 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 ever stop sending them, okay? There are no stupid questions, even though I'm about to rip your questions. Yes. All, all I know is I woke up to a Candy Maldonado reference. Yes. Well, I'm going to get to that here in a second. <laughs> and I was like, what's going on here? It's the second of the weird-ass questions I woke up to. So he sent... He sent him this morning. I was already awake when you sent these. I was getting out of the shower. Anyway, he sent this morning. This is 347. And it was a quote. Uh, it said, Vic Lombardi on Mike LeBron. Vic Lombardi spoke. Did he speak at the parade? Yes, he did. Was he up on the dais? Yes. No. Yes, he was. Vic Lombardi was up on the dais. Okay, Vic Lombardi, Altitude Sports. It's Altitude, right? Correct. Okay. Vic Lombardi, Altitude Sports, says he came into this world as a son of a coach, but in these playoffs, he became the Lakers' daddy. <laughs> That's Vic Lombardi on Michael Malone. And then Double A wrote, if the Browns beat the Steelers in the AFC Championship game, then went on to win the Super Bowl, what would Ken Carmen say at the Browns' championship parade? And I go, when the hell are they ever going to let me up on the stage and say something? Oh, they should. I, see, <laughs> I, they I did talk, not know. I did not see. I, well, This now, is when you're only half reading something. You, I didn't realize they, they just planned let, the parade to be done at 
2.30, but they don't actually get there till about 4.45. They're going to need somebody to fill time. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I can, I can go up there and fill time. You're known for your filling of time. I would actually, okay. You, you, you and Nathan something? would host the parade. You guys want to know something? Browns win the Super Bowl, and if they let me, they won't let me because of what I'm about to say. Uh, to fill time, I will go up there, and I will tell us how far we've come because I'll tell the Hugh Jackson story. I'll, I'll finally I'll go, you know what? Hey. Doesn't matter. We've won the Super Bowl, and now I'm going to tell you guys how far we've come. Oh, it's to, worth it. From the depths of hell come the Cleveland Ke- Browns. Kevin all Stefanski. The way to the top. Kevin Stefanski, I've been a little hard on how you run the ball and things like that, but you need to go win this year because I need to hear this story out in public. Oh, God. That's my number one reason for backing the but Browns. But see, here's my you thing. You think LeBron said some cuss words in 2016? Okay. So I know the Hugh Jackson story. You guys would like the Hugh Jackson story. You'd like a Brown Super Bowl more, but you'd like the Hugh Jackson story. I wonder by the time he actually tells the Hugh Jackson story to the public, though, Hugh Jackson won't even care about the Hugh Jackson story. I, I, I just, I, oh, I, I want him to tell it at some point soon. I just, I want him to tell it at some point soon because I worry that people just don't care about Hugh Jackson at all anymore. And you probably shouldn't care about Hugh Jackson anymore. You really shouldn't. He was such an important part of here because he was just such a unique guy. And he was so different. And he just he just really believed in him. I'll say that about Hugh Jackson. I don't know that I've ever met anybody that has failed as much as he has that consistently would walk up to the podium acting like they were Bill Belichick. It was wildly impressive. He was the guy at the gym that will miss a 25-footer and only shoot 25-footers and continue to brick them all day long, but continue to shoot them. That was Hugh Jackson, just all day. Every day he'd go to the podium, and I swear you'd think this guy was the second coming. The way he would talk, he thought he was the world's greatest head coach, and he was nowhere close. And he'd bring up these stories about his time with the Raiders where he won eight games as if he went 16-0. and Just incredible. Absolutely incredible how much belief that man had in himself. Believe in you the way that Hugh Jackson believed in himself. And you might be delusional, but you'll go very far, apparently. Oh, I'd love to hear that story out in the air, though. I really would. I'd love to see people's reactions to it. But again, I worry. I worry people just don't care about Hugh Jackson. Every story he can tell now at this point, you'd turn back around and you'd be like, of course Hugh Jackson did that. Of course he said that in response to what you said. Of course he did. That's Hugh Jackson, baby. I turned that into a Delmonico's baby for some reason. And there's a there's the line we have with Hugh Jackson where here's a Hugh Jackson's here, baby. And uh I I I'm got my wrong end of the baby. That's all. That's all that is. Apologies to Delmonico's. Alright, next up. Nick and Dustin on concerts. Like Pittsburgh's like warning people, hey, please don't come downtown. Because they're worried about the public risk of having too many people. Yes, and it's it's and not an have, easy have, area to get to. And they have three major sports teams. They don't have this about they don't the have Pittsburgh room. Steelers. No, I mean, listen, there there will be you know sixty five, seventy thousand fans right in that stadium, and then God knows how many countless amounts of people are going to be outside. But like, it's the same thing for like Guns and Roses. Oh, hey, you want to go see GNR? Cool. They're not coming to Cleveland. You can go to Columbus if you're lucky. Actually, Columbus is if you're lucky. Any artist that you want to see might go to Columbus. But for whatever reason, the promoter on high just has completely skipped over Cleveland. For the mate, and we're talking about like for McCartney, for 
the main acts for Foo Fighters not coming here. That pisses me off, by the way. How could she not be coming to Cleveland? I honestly don't know what the cause is. I remember growing up. We've got a stadium. You were the thoroughfare. You were part of the the main uh, the drag for the people rotation, to come through. Yeah. I don't know what changed. I don't know if it, like, we got Blossom. We've got, I don't know if it's the fact that the queue is too small. I may, maybe if we get that retractable roof stadium we've all fantasized about, maybe we could suddenly get Taylor Swift's again or Bruce Springsteen again or the the Foos again. But like, but no, some of these. Are, other are you quotes, going to any concerts this summer? I'm not planning as of yet, but some of that is like nobody's like Queens of the Stone Age isn't coming here. The Foos were down in Columbus. I missed the window because it was at a time I couldn't go. So like my favorite, and there's a lot of great music out right now. Like Metallica just came out with a great new album. The Foos just came out with maybe their best album in a decade. Uh, Queens of the Stone Age literally today released a new album. Like, everybody's releasing new music, and it's all really, really good. And I can't go see any of it live because none of them are coming in. And, if, and the thing is, when you have kids, that trip to Pittsburgh is way more of a pain in the ass than you think it is. Because now it's like, well, who's going to watch the kids? Not just tonight, well, but you tomorrow. Got, you got to get a hotel room. And then i got to take the day off. Which it's a little yeah, because it's, it's a little like a, to say I got to take like, a day off to go see a concert. No, I, well, it's summertime you can do that, but like you got to take a Wednesday off work to go to a concert. Then you got to like stay stay the night, and then come back the next day to go to work. That's the hard part. You got to kind of like take two days off because if you want to do the concert right, you can't just do one day because you probably want to have some beverages. Then you'll be a little hungover. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't work at all hungover. It's just it's not a thing for me. I can't do it. I'm very, it's just not, that's why I don't drink as often as I think a lot of people would think I would. I can usually get one day a week, maybe one day a week. Sometimes it turns into, wait, wait, with the newborn, I feel like I've drank maybe once or twice in the entire time she's been born. So maybe once or twice in four months, I haven't really drank at all since she's been born. I'm talking really, really drink where it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning and I'm listening on Spotify, having a, a like a karaoke night for myself type drink. It's not happening. It's not happening right now. And so you need like two days, but the fees, how expensive concerts are right now. I really do believe I'm not going to another concert until they lower these prices until we have some sort of like, we need a boomerang. They, they skyrocketed too high. We need them to come back down to earth. If concerts take, if concert tickets stay this high, I'll, I'll listen to Spotify on my deck and I'll listen that way. Okay. I'll pay for sporting events. I know what's happening at a sporting event. It is Team A versus Team B. You see Taylor Swift, it's Taylor Swift versus her piano. I know the outcome. I'll listen to it on my on my deck on my on my music channels. I'll be fine. All right, Ken and Daryl on who Daryl thinks matters the most for the offense. Nick Chubb's my favorite. I still think he's Deshaun Watson's most important weapon. Who is Deshaun Watson's most important weapon? Go. Elijah Moore. Hey, tell me more. I'm listening. Just taking a guess based on what I observed during the offseason program and the versatility that he showed and the versatility that appears within this offense that he's going to be used some of these roles. I'm going to say, yeah, the he's, most important he's, he's going to become the most important weapon for the Browns, yeah. I think he's... And, a, and, I, and, and I'm not taking wow. anything away from Njoku. I'm not taking anything away from Amari Cooper. I just, I think Elijah Moore 
could potentially be set up for a massive breakout season See, with I, the Browns. When I think of weapons, I, uh, when I think of importance, I should say, I, I think about a true need. I mean, he could be there, but do we talk about a true need? Like, they needed to add to their wide receiver he, he, room. And he, he was a dimension they needed. He, is he a was, a, he was a dimension they missed last but year. But on the field, I, I still think, and this is where, you know, it, it, it all comes together day by day by day, and it culminates here on a Friday where I look at Nick Chubb and I go, I understand their offense is going to look different. Right. And I think it's going to be probably more of what we saw against the Saints, which I know they only scored 10 points, but relax. I think it's 35 going to be more, plus throws a game. Yeah, I think it's going to be more passing to set up the run. I think in the fourth quarter and then the late third, I think they're going to be trying to take away possessions from other teams. What I think they're going to try to do, and I know I don't think I'm breaking any new ground here, get up by a, a couple of a couple of possessions. If you can get up by ten, can I get up by ten and then start to take away possessions instead of a three possession fourth quarter? Can I make it a two possession fourth quarter against another football team? And that's where Nick Chubb comes into play. Do, that's do where it. maybe Jerome Ford comes into play. But that's why I think as as great as Amari Cooper is, as great as we hope that Elijah Moore is, because I think that he's already at a crossroads of his career, because I cannot, as much as I want to fight Lima on it, they brought in Aaron Rodgers, and they did not want Elijah Moore with him. That's the way they thought of it. That is the way they thought of him. Uh, I agree with Ken more than I agree with Daryl. I'm surprised Daryl said that. I like that he said it. It's spicy. Hot take. I don't agree with it, though. And I think Elijah Moore will be much better than most people think. I think I think a lot of people, though, and Daryl saw him out in Berea, and that's why I think he's latching onto this is because he was witness to what he saw out there in Berea. He knows the speed that he has. He knows the ability, the route-running ability that he has. He knows what he's capable of, and he watched it firsthand, and he saw that connection between the two. So it gives me a good hope, good hope moving forward. I leave that there. We come on back. Guardians called up Bo Naylor. 216-474-0092. What it means for the rest of the Guardians season. We'll get to off the beaten path with Jake Murren coming up in 20 minutes. But first, let's get you to Jake and a sports update.